and welcome to the National Trust podcast. I'm Sean Douglas, podcast producer at the National Trust, and today we're taking a look behind the scenes of reopening our gardens, houses and open spaces. Far from being the case of just unlocking the doors and gates to our properties, the reality of reopening presented us with all the twists and turns of one of our award-winning mazes. Today, we'd like to share the story of just what it took to welcome our visitors back to our places. After a few years of really fantastic growth for the Trust. We were on for another superb year of rising visitor numbers, rising members. We were going to celebrate our 125th year in style with lots of events throughout 2020. This is a year when we would have expected over 30 million visits. So we were really busy at the time when the government lockdowns came in. My name's Tom North and I'm the membership director at the National Trust. I remember we were having a meeting where we were looking at how this virus was spreading. It was one of those sobering uh, meetings where it was like, what if you have to close everything? They were the kind of what ifs that you'd never ever thought of before really, really quickly. We were closing our operation down 200 car parks, 300 houses and parklands. And that's when it got really real. Meanwhile at Clifton, a garden that can see up to 4,000 visitors a day, visitor operations and experience manager Rosie Stokes explains what lockdown looked like for her. The estate went from traffic, laughter, families, to nothing. Absolutely nothing. Totally, totally surreal. This is a scenario that played on repeat up and down the British Isles. From the beaches of the southwest to the mountains of Wales. The built heritage of the Midlands to the rugged coastline of the northeast. Places that had been brimming with life for hundreds of years fell eerily silent. So we started thinking about reopening the day that we closed. Reopening was always going to be more complicated than closing. In closing the doors, you're effectively making everything the same overnight, everywhere shut. When you reopen, all your local nuance about a property and a place or a car park needs to be taken into account, such as, is this place likely to become really busy as soon as we reopen? So lots of local coordination. We knew really early on that we were likely to be reopening at a very busy time of year that was going to be exacerbated by the fact that most indoor leisure attractions were closed. Looking at how we would manage capacity whilst welcoming people back occupied us from the first moment of lockdown, that when we were open, we needed to do that in a controlled way to keep everybody safe. We had to introduce a booking system. So initially, it looked like we'd be able to use the event system we already have to help us safely manage numbers of visitors and aid social distancing. So Tom made a phone call to Claire Lane, Head of Commercial Operational Services. Her team manages the event system. 
I received a call from Tom who asked me whether we had a booking system. We did have an event system, so one-off theatre events, lots of people all arriving at 3pm in the afternoon. Or it might have been sort of smaller events like visiting Santa, kind of more time slots, but it would only have been maybe five to ten children maximum. But we now need the system that would do both big volumes of people with lots of time slots. The event system we had wasn't quite up to the job. We needed a new system which, rather than issuing thousands of tickets a year, could generate millions. And before we could work out how many tickets we needed, we had to work out how many people we could safely fit onto our sites. Rosie from Clifton does the maths. We started at 30% of an average day um, in our busiest month, so that worked out as 650 people. That was phased throughout the 13 shifts, which is every half an hour, the slot that's been able to be booked. Um, That meant that people weren't all arriving at one time. But with gardens like Cliveden, Stowe and Bodnant, where you can find solitude in the spiralling parklands and woodlands, it can be difficult to see why there's a need for us to cut our visitor numbers so drastically. If everybody could walk into a country estate through lots of different entrances and find their own space and never see another human, that's fine and that's great. And many people can do that once they were inside. But the majority of people were passing through the same car park. They were passing through the same entrance. They were passing through the same exit. They were using the same toilets. So we had to take our capacity based on the safety at those pinch points. So let's get back to the event system that would have to manage the ticketing logistics for these smaller yet significant visitor numbers. So in theory, the system could have done it, um, but it would not have been a simple activity for our general managers. The technical knowledge needed to operate the ticketing tool was vast. It would have needed significant amounts of training as any mistakes could have caused more problems than they solved. Because we were utilising the data across a number of platforms, it it would have broken the process. So we could have ended up with different information on the website to what was in the booking system. Meaning the ticket you'd reserved or bought online could be invalid by the time you got to the property. To train 300 general managers in, in how to use that system would have been quite complicated. So to really simplify it, we just created a very simple form for them to enter that information into. This meant that property staff could fill in a simple form and Claire's team could do the heavy lifting to keep things running smoothly. It was a substantial amount of work to be building up all of those booking setups for every property across the board. So we actually drafted in about 10 extra people from various other teams. Now, this may seem like quite a low-tech solution to a high-tech problem, but to build an IT system that did this from scratch would have taken months. We really were working at speed. We had to utilise the systems that we had on the ground to try and get as much open as possible. So this was what was going on in the back office. Meanwhile, on property, they were working out how to deal with the pinch points that had caused the ticketing dilemma in the first place. Making Cliveden as safe as possible took months. There hasn't been many areas that we haven't thought about. From our overflow car park, we've extended the path so that people have a clear two metres to be able to pass each other. In our long garden, we've made that one-way system so that that area hopefully easier for people to enjoy hygiene and safety, risk assessing what that looks like, how we signpost people, what the offer is, how we communicate that. 
many, many different elements go into what appears to be opening the door to somewhere. We had done all the prep. We knew we had the right PPE. We ran through it quite a few times in our head. We were like literally on a seven day, like ready to go. We knew which properties would open in which order and we had a booking system ready to go. So then we wait for a government announcement. Are they going to announce that parks and gardens can open? The wording of the government advice was that ticketed outdoor venues couldn't open. We wouldn't have been beforehand, but in our way to manage capacity, we were then a ticketed venue. There was lobbying and discussions to help that conversation along, saying we're ready, we've been able to work out how we can do it safely. The more we coordinated, the clearer it was for people. And a week later, an update to that guidance came that said, no, places like the National Trust Parks and Gardens can open. There was still a level of nerves in that first week. There absolutely were. We were all sort of, you know, watching everything and double, triple, quadruple checking everything. The systems, they go live automatically over midnight. So we did all wait up until midnight to kind of do those checks. Wednesday the 3rd of June will always stick in my mind. It was a day of anticipation, excitement, nervous bubbles, I suppose, in our, in our stomachs about what that day would be like. Okay, enjoy your visit, ladies. When we reopened those gates, it was a mixture of emotions massively. Seeing people again is absolutely part of their life. People have many special memories at National Trust properties, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, whether they've grown up here as children and are bringing their children back or their grandchildren. It is part of people's life. It was wonderful to be able to see familiar faces back again and new faces as well. Where people did get tickets, we were seeing just the most inspirational messages on social media. My name's Anna Rawcliffe. I head up the social media team at the National Trust. We can really gauge the mood of our members. We got some really lovely feedback during that time. Managed to get tickets for next weekend. Looking forward to being back walking in the most gorgeous places again. The grounds laid out perfectly for social distancing. We felt really safe. Thank you. There was kind of quite a special moment when we started to see people's photos again and it felt like we were going out and visiting our places with our members, which was really nice. Along with the positive messages, we got some more negative feedback. I had a two-hour wait online. Then Everywhere in the north is already fully booked. Still waiting on the online booking queue. For over How are we an hour? supposed to book if they sell out so quickly? I'm really unimpressed. Demand was overwhelming. We were having 100,000 people booking before 7am on the day the tickets were released. People talking about it as being like the Glastonbury scramble for tickets. Is this enough? Is this too much? Could we increase being able to look and assess? We learnt an awful lot every day. We did increase the next week and we've incrementally increased every week, which we're now at 100% of our capacity. We're now regularly seeing people be able to book later in the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for that week because we've managed to get the capacities up. With capacity being increased on a weekly basis and more and more properties starting to reopen, the team turned its attention to reopening houses. But houses are by far the most difficult for obvious reasons. And those houses were not built uh, with loads of entrances and exits. There were dead ends in the visitor route that needed to be solved. So how do we ensure the hygiene required for COVID in a historic environment? We had to look at those individually and every general manager, every property had to look at how to keep their property open and safe. 
to build a strategy for keeping staff, visitors and volunteers safe and social distanced, we piloted opening seven properties across the UK. In the Midlands, it was Packwood, and on Friday the 17th of July, it opened its doors for the first time since lockdown. My name's Emily Greaves, I'm the Senior Collections and House Officer here at Packwood, and it's our first day reopening the house. Just gone half eight, so we've got about an hour until the volunteers get here, and an hour and a half until the visitors come in. So we've got to open the house, check all of the safety measures in place, all of the sanitising stations, all of the signs, and then open. As we walk around the house, we follow the new one-way route that creates a flow through the property. This door here is just used as an accessible entrance, but now we're using it as our entrance. As you walk through the intricate wooden panels, plush upholstery and priceless tapestries, the challenges of deep cleaning a property this old and protected become apparent. Here we've got a handrail, which is the only visitor touch point in the house, so we've covered it in plastic, which we can sanitise three times a day. With the discreet yet prominent signage and abundance of sanitising stations, you're left in no doubt that this is a visitor experience with the safety of visitors at its heart. So I'm going to pop out the table as well that will have like an exit sanitising station. But at the moment we just have a lot of signs to put out. And then there's the queuing system. The big draw at Packwood is the garden but entrance to the house has traditionally been possible via a time ticket. But to get the maximum number of visitors into the house while maintaining social distancing, they've reverted to a first-come, first-serve entry system. This is going to be our queuing system, so we've got just logs with signs on saying please keep two metres apart. But again, we're just going to test that really, but hopefully there's enough room. And we just have no idea how many people are going to want to come in, so we'll just have to see how it goes. And then before opening, there was just enough time for a volunteer briefing. Telling them people should start maybe flooding in, who knows? <laughs> OK, but I hope you all have a good day. And then it was showtime. feel that everything's OK and ready to go. It's just going to be watching how the day unfolds and, yeah, just be interesting to see. While entry to the house was still on a first-come, first-served basis, entry to the gardens themselves was still ticketed. And to mitigate any potential flurries of bookings to see the house, visitors were only told the house was open when they arrived to visit the gardens. What time are you booking for? So we get people kind of queuing up here for the gardens at 10, and they'll be told on this court about the house. So we'll see how many want to go in. OK, enjoy your visit, ladies. Next, it was a quick check to see if the queuing system was flowing safely and then into the house for a bird's eye view of the operation. So we're just going upstairs where we've got a gallery that looks over the ground floor just so we can kind of watch how things are working without getting in the way of everyone. Seems that people have enough time to be able to chat to the volunteers and look at things and dwell. It doesn't feel like they're having to just rush through the house. So that's so far so good. That's what we wanted. So, And the house doesn't feel... Overcrowded or busy. So, everything was going as planned from the property's point of view. But to find out if this change had affected the visitor experience, I tagged along with members Hugh and Charm on their visit around the house. Did you know the house was going to be open? No. No, that was a pleasant like a surprise. Yes. I think the house and the, the gardens, the landscapes, is a good combination. Yes. Is there any apprehension about coming out, obviously? No. No. No, no, no. not if we're sensible. Not if we're sensible, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so welcome to Parkwood. Have you been before? Yes. And hope you enjoy your visit. We will. Thank you. Welcome Thank you. back. I also wanted to know how this change had affected the volunteers. I'm Owen Edmonds, troublemaker. How have you been finding it today? It's good. I was nervous because I thought we're going to have queues and it's going to be hectic. But it's been quite nice. We've had 30 people, 30 exactly. And I think it's just amazing we're open. I think we're probably one of the smallest out of the seven that are open as well. So actually it's just exciting. Just good to be. I've got goosebumps already just saying that now. So I left Owen to his troublemaking ways and rejoined Hugh and Charm in the house. It's a lovely house because it's so small. It's a family home as opposed to it being a big manor house. There's a tapestry in the same, same sort of yeah. material. They, they were the television of the day, weren't they? Yeah, they've been so colourful. So colourful. But some of them we can see the backs and the colours still on the back. Oh, yeah. amazing. See the original yeah. colours. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have a crib sheet. It's <laughs> 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 such a lot to read. Dalmatians that are around. Oh, it's a kid's trail. Oh, so fine. the last private owner had Dalmatians, but the adults love it too. I'm sure our granddaughter will get around. Thank you. Yeah. These look like old church pews. They're exactly, they're pew ends. They're both different. Have you felt okay about coming in today? Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah. So we're going to walk around the, uh, the gardens. And the gardens okay. I'll, let, I'll let you out as a special treat. How far is it? <laughs> Thank you very much. How was the experience? Because there's so few people, it almost feels a bit like a personal tour around. You're, you're in there on your own, so you get a bit more time really as well to look around and see things that maybe you wouldn't have noticed before. You can be in a room and you could be the only one in the room and you feel as though you've gone back in time, like a time traveller, just taking it I all in. that was very nice actually. Yeah, that was very nice. Yeah. I spoke with members and supporters for the rest of the day and then caught up with Emily at four o'clock just before closing. 146. That's really good, isn't it? Really good, yeah. It's a really good number. And it's worked well. Yeah, definitely. Not really much of a queue. Nice steady flow all day long. Actually. Lovely. Brilliant. So well done. Thank you, Alan. Well done to you as well. Thank you. So we've just closed the front door and put the sign out saying, sorry, no more availability to the house today because it's just gone four. How are you feeling? Because it's been a, a big build up to this and yeah. now the first day's happened. I think... Everything has gone exactly to plan, which is really good. The queue worked really well. The one-way route has worked really well. I think everyone's felt uh, safe and comfortable. I think for now, this is going to be our new normal. Moving forward, maybe we'll be able to have more people in the house at once. I think once our capacity goes up for the whole site, we'll have a few more people in and that might change things. It's hard to say what, what will come next. I think for now, this is all we can really do for a safe visit. Here's Tom North, Membership Director again. We're doing as much as we can to get back to where we were. We might have to live with social distancing and with COVID for a while yet, but it's brilliant to see so many people having the confidence to come back and, and visit our places in large numbers. And here's Claire Lane, Head of Commercial Operational Services. We've got more than 400 places now open. We've had more than 5 million visits and 90% of people who are visiting are members. Our houses and the collections, they're aiming to have 45 reopened by the end of September. We've reopened 194 food and beverage outlets and they've introduced test and trace and VAT reductions and ETAP to help out 90 shops and 447 holiday cottages. That's a really exciting outcome. During reopening, we've talked a lot about the numbers. 
but sometimes the numbers aren't the best way to sum up the true value of our efforts to reopen. Here's Anna from social media again. Somebody who got in touch with us quite recently, they said, I'm anxious about returning to normal and the trust has been the only place I felt comfortable visiting. My local places have been complete lifesavers over the last couple of months. When we visited, we all felt safe and the places have been run well under difficult circumstances. It's been vital for my mental health and for our kids to be able to get out without stressing about being near people. I'm incredibly grateful for that. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the National Trust podcast. To get the latest on reopening, please check our website. And to make sure you don't miss another episode of this podcast, subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts or Spotify. We'll be back soon with a new episode. But for now, from me, Sean Douglas, goodbye.